Sports Talk New York with your hosts, Mark Rosenman and A.J. Carter. Sports Talk New York is sponsored in part by Prince Associates for all your insurance needs, the Phoenix Tube Company, the law firm of Declator Cohen and DePrisco, Solomon Jewelers, and General Needs Charity, serving our homeless veterans with dignity. And now, here are your hosts, Mark and AJ. Joining us now is a man who was originally selected 18th overall in the 2005 NLL entry draft by Calgary. He is a 15-year veteran and has been second and first leading scorer in the NLL over the last two seasons as a member of the New England Black Wolves. This past month, he agreed to bring his offensive talents to Long Island as he signed with the New York Riptide. He is a lacrosse legend as he is on the verge of being one of the top 10 players for career games played, goals scored, assists, and total points of all time. His career total of 1,049 points makes him one of only 11 players in league history to be part of the 1,000-point club. It is a pleasure to welcome the newest member of the Riptide, Callum Crawford, to 540 Sports Talk New York. How you doing, Callum? I'm good. Thanks for having me, guys. Telling, telling my draft date is just making me feel ancient here. <laughs> uh, you know, it's interesting because you actually started playing lacrosse in Gloucester at the age of 10, worked your way through the age group system, and played four seasons in the entire Ontario Lacrosse Association Junior B League with the Gloucester Griffins and the Knights. Can you tell us a little bit about youth lacrosse system in, in Canada? And is 10 years old kind of on the older you know, range to start? Yeah, to do what I've done, I think as a career, it was an older, you know, older age to start. But uh, I hung my hat, kind of getting into the league, and majority of, of my career, uh, an athlete who played lacrosse instead of a, uh, you know, a, a, a lacrosse player. And that's kind of what us, us older, anyways, Canadian lacrosse players are because our stick skills and we start so young for the most part. We're we're, we're not necessarily the greatest athletes, but our our skill ability is, is really good. Uh, the way that youth lacrosse works in canada is it's all done by by uh birth year so it's not done by grad year which is a huge difference uh between the united states and canada how they kind of do things in our our box across stuff so uh you always play in a, a two birth year age gap coming up through the ranks so your first year you're considered a minor if it's phantom or midget or, or whatever they uh your age is and you start as a minor and then you play as a a senior of that age group, and then you move up. That's kind of how we do everything. And uh, some kids, start, like my kid, uh, my my son started when he was three years old when we were wow. in Canada. Wow! Yeah, so the seven years jump on you for sure. So maybe the turning point in your career came in the final half of your 2005 season with the Six Nations Arrows Junior A team. The Arrows not only won the OLA Junior A title, but also reached the Mento Cup National Championship final, where you scored six goals and 14 points in those six games. What did those six games mean to you and, you know, in, in means of what you thought you might be able to accomplish in the game of lacrosse? Wow, you guys have done your research here. Um, <laughs> I'm impressed. You guys have to, like, go through, like, scripture to find this information. I didn't even know oh, it was on the Oh, wait, I, I, got, I got one that's going to total blow you away, but, but we'll get there. <laughs> um, yeah, no, to be honest, for me, uh, I, I did not play high-level lacrosse Growing up, uh, you know, it was C-level. Most most people who go on to play, like, this level of lacrosse and NCAA lacrosse, they're all playing A-level in their youth ages, and then when they play junior, they're playing junior A. Uh, I played junior B because of where I was from, Ottawa, it was, was not a lacrosse hotbed. It was, you know, dads who never played the game teaching it. There was no real coaching. We had great people volunteering, and my hat's off to them for doing the best that they could. 
but there was no real lacrosse teaching. So when I went to Six Nations, my eyes opened up to what real lacrosse was, how good kids were, and to be honest, how how not good I was. So, uh, you know, that experience is the only reason I am where I am today uh, in lacrosse. If I didn't get to go play for Six Nations, I don't think anybody would have had an opportunity to see this six foot three kid uh, and take a chance on him. So I owe everything to the, the Six Nation Arrows for, for taking a chance on me. You know, it's so interesting because, you know, I, I guess my point of reference is, is hockey. So you take a look at the same s- similar situation there, the way, you know, hockey is structured there. And you take a guy like Eric Lindros, who was a, a man playing against boys because of his birth year, but his size. So you take a look at you and, and you, you were large, you know, big for your age in that age bracket. How much did that help you overcome what you say, what you lacked in stick skills and, and such, how much of your athleticism just because of your build helped you overcome that lack of, of stick skill? I don't know if the, the stick skills were all right. It was more the IQ. I, I was good at playing the game, but I had no lacrosse IQ. I did not understand the game at a high level. I could do all types of things with, with the stick and everything, and that part was fine. And I didn't have incredible size. I was you know 6'3", but I was a probably a buck 70 soaking wet uh, when I was drafted. So uh, my game wasn't a, a big man's game. I, uh, I was just gifted with really good uh, change of direction and a great first step. And that was kind of what I hung my hat on for, uh, for so long. And it allowed me to, to stay existing in, in the professional league while I took years and years and years to, to learn the game and, and absorb as much as I could and actually you know, become a, a decent lacrosse player. So you get drafted by the Calgary Roughnecks in the second round of the draft. Were you surprised at how high you went in that draft? Um, yeah, to be honest, it, it wasn't something to, to boast about because you're not a first-round draft pick and, <laughs> and whatnot. And back then, I think for the most part, the people who, who made it in the league were first-rounders. But for uh, Calgary, it was the first pick they had in that draft. And uh, I knew they were looking to take me. I didn't know 100%. They didn't say, hey, 100%, we're taking you. But... I knew they were interested, which was great. Um, but if you look at the draft class that was in there, I would put that draft class up against any draft class in the history of the NLL. There's there's some incredible, incredible talents that were in that that class, and uh, you know you can't question how you know me going 18th when you think of the guys that were there. So your rookie season, Chris Hall, who a few years ago was inducted into the Canadian Lacrosse Hall of Fame as your coach, the captain of the team was Tracy Kaluski. How important were those two men in setting the foundation for your professional lacrosse career and, and learning the game? Yeah, the late Chris Hall, uh, I actually did an interview not too long ago. Kind of Somebody asked me if I could pick one person to sit in the stands and, and watch me play uh, right now. That was the person that came to my mind because he's the one who took a chance on me. He's the first person to, to draft me. He was such an incredible coach, intimidating human being. He was, I think he was like 6'5", a good like 260 jacked. He was this specimen of a man, and when he would get angry, his his face would turn red like a tomato. And uh, then being a 21-year-old kid, you know, way out of his league, uh, it was it was intimidating, but it was a great person to learn from because he hung on to every word. And then Tracy Koleski is, uh, in my opinion, the greatest captain I've ever had an opportunity to to be around uh he is the only reason i was able to learn and 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 become something because he actually i think he recognized quickly in training camp how little i knew but he saw something in me that i didn't even know in myself i remember 
uh, post game at a bar one night with, out with all the guys. He put his arm around me and, and told me that I was going to be the leading scorer of this league one day. Wow. Hit me afterwards, said, well, behind him, but I would be able to score one day. And that actually resonated with me for years and years and years because I looked up to him at the time. He was on, you know, one of the best players in the league. And uh, you just, you admire a person like that and you hang on to those things. So for him to, to take the time he, he did with me teaching and talking to me and, and looking out for me and looking after me and doing the things he did, it allowed me to see how valuable that is to, to be that, that role model and take that extra time for younger guys in this league, and especially guys who you can tell may not be overly confident about themselves and, and stuff. So those two men are, uh, you know, I, I owe so incredibly much to the two of them, and I do my very best to try to acknowledge and credit them. So, uh, you know, if they ever do get a chance to listen to something, they, they understand how grateful I am. You look at your career numbers, it seems things really started to take off in your fifth season as a member of the Minnesota Swarm. Uh, was that just more of you having learned the intricacies of the game, or was it something in Mike Lyons or, or Joe Sullivan's system that brought out the best in your game? Uh, I think the big thing was uh, I had the first four years bouncing around and learning from so many great people, and I had to play a IQ position. I, I didn't get to do what was my norm. My whole life growing up was just give me the ball and get out of my way and I would go one-on-one and that's how everything happened uh, forever and then I got to this level where it's like hey everybody around you is way better than you are uh, you have to learn to play without the ball which is an IQ position so uh, had to spend four years understanding the game learning the game and, and having to, to become a much smarter better lacrosse player when I got to Minnesota they had a need for a ball carrier now I don't think they myself or anybody expected me to kind of take off like I did, but they, they were looking for an athletic right-handed uh, distributor, ball carrier, and it, it allowed me to be, for the first time in my career, on a team that needed a player whose strengths were what my strengths were, and it let me be me for the first time. Uh, there obviously tons of, of growing still needed to be done, but it allowed me to play within my, my skill sets primarily instead of you know the things I didn't necessarily do very well. Um, and that's probably what I credit that, you know, that, that next step in my career of being successful was, was just getting to the right team at the right time. And w- was that the first time you felt like you've said as a cr- lacrosse player and not just an athlete? Um, it was the felt- first time I felt like I belonged. So that off season, I actually, uh, I almost quit playing professionally to go, uh, overseas and coach in, uh, in Germany. You know, I was like, eh, you know, I'm good enough to be here but am I good enough to stay here it was one of those things where I didn't know what I wanted to do this wasn't something where I'm not I've never been somebody who's okay at not being the best Uh, I have this competitive problem and uh you know for me it was juggling on how much longer did I want to do this Uh, I had some great opportunities to see the world through this game and stuff like that and I kind of gave myself a little talk I said hey we'll do one one off season where we give this our everything you know eat properly train with top-end trainers athletically and give it your everything and see what happens after a year and then make a decision. Uh, so I put my everything into it, and, uh, you know, that was uh, that was the eye-opener of, hey, you can do this, and you can do this at a high level. Your 2016 season with the Colorado Mammoth establishes you as a star in the league. Uh, you eclipsed the 100-point mark for the first time in your career. Looking back at that season and from where you were in that rookie season, and you stated you didn't have that high uh, that high 
I, lacrosse IQ. Looking back from that point at a 100-point season, what was that sense of accomplishment for you, for you, knowing how much you've come from that rookie season to that year? Uh, I actually went back not too long ago and, and watched some, some film from uh, when I first came into the league and then when I was in Minnesota compared to then. And uh, completely just different. I play the game completely differently. It, it's not, not any, I move differently and everything that I do. So it was interesting to see the difference. Um, but the, the points, you know, getting over 100 points just comes with playing with incredible players at the same time. Uh, probably for, no, I wouldn't say the first, because my primary role in Minnesota and in Colorado was always to be like a point guard, a distributor, and, and everything. I've always been a pass-first player. Um, there, I just happened to be passing to a couple of the best goal scorers in the world. And uh, when the team is scoring a lot of points, you know, there's only five guys on the floor, and three people, for the most part, are getting a, a point associated to each goal. So, um, you know, I, I feel like I was playing at that level or relatively close, you know, my whole time, for the most part, in Minnesota. Just Minnesota was a young team rebuilding every single year and, and trading away veteran talent and trying to find that right fit. That uh, it was a rebuild, you know, every single year that I was there. So versus getting to Colorado, where it was an established team competing for a championship. So I think uh, maybe I got an extra 10, 15 points from what I did in Minnesota in a season. But uh, yeah, a lot of that's credited to the people you play with. Okay, so I hope my research is correct here. Okay, you're a movie buff, and I've heard you say in the past that your style of lacrosse came straight out of White Man Can't Jump. But also one of the movies and characters that you relate to on a personal level is Max Goof from the 1995 Disney animated <laughs> film, A Goofy Movie. Now, I'm thinking in my mind, you know, based on your story, it's more Rudy, Rocky, Tom Cruise and all the right moves. So I got to ask you, out of every possible movie, if you're a movie buff, why do you relate to Max Goof? So, so Max Goof was, it was just in this interview and I was trying to, trying to kind of, explain what this this fascination with movies were for me and the fascination for it is is the ability to live vicariously through people and when i was younger uh i would rewatch the same movie over and over and over if it happened to have this character that kind of just struck me and i wanted to i just wish i could do that and that was a goofy movie for me and it was you know i wasn't some 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 picked on kid that that wasn't liked or anything but i was i was always just generic in the sense of there nothing special but i always had this desire i think to stand out and uh in that movie you know it was it, it just that's exactly what he was you know he was there he's got good friends and everything he's he's acknowledged by everybody but he's not popular and whatnot he, he kind of want has that aspiration and he does this this dancing thing and everybody blows up and, and they love him and uh i'd say for me that was lacrosse you know, lacrosse allowed people to kind of take a second look and get to know, but for me also uh, be more confident in myself and, and all those things. So I, I think that's why it kind of relates. I don't think I'm actually Max, but I think that's why that movie, uh, it, it can really, if you look at it in that sense, it, it's a good description of kind of uh, that, that conf, lack of confidence and, and what something, you know, one single thing can do for, for you, you know, you acknowledging and, understanding you belong and being accepted and all those things. 
I hope you have like a, a movie poster of that somewhere in your house for sure. If not, we're going to have to do that. I'm, I'm going to have to speak to someone at the Riptide to make sure you get your, yourself a goofy movie uh, poster. <laughs> so uh, you signed with the Riptide um, where you will join forces with the number one pick in the 2019 NL draft, uh, Tyson Gibson, Dan Lomas, Connor Kelly, and a few of the other young, talented forwards. What do you think you will bring to a team that's very young, and how will you help this very young team? Um, I'm hoping I can, you know, my skill set is, is going to be something that works well with the guys that are there having, you know, that, that point guard type player and, and having somebody that, that strives to make everybody else around them better. That's always been my determination of greatness. And, you know, that's why I think Michael Jordan's the greatest is, is he made every single player on the Bulls that he played with basically all stars and, and everything. So, uh, that's kind of how I try to play the game is, is, is the way I'm playing, influencing the guys around me to, to elevate themselves. And I think there's some good pieces that with a, a, you know, a player that plays my style, uh, ball distributor, and, and generates so much attention, uh, it can allow them to be them and be successful at playing their roles, which are successful versus last year. I feel like some of their guys maybe had to play out of, out of their skill sets and, and, and not do necessarily the things that they're really exceptionally good at. And I think uh, allowing me to be there to take some of that burden off of them will let them be them and hopefully let the offense be a little more complete. So Mark mentioned some of these players that you're going to come join here, the younger players, but even throughout your career in the NLL, you know, how does scouting and, and, and just on a level for you and game to game and, and knowing the league, how does that work in a league that doesn't maybe get the same attention or, or how are you guys watching film and, and things of that nature? It's a lot of self-accountability. Uh, you know, you have to put work in yourself. We, we don't have the luxury of being paid full-time salaries for most people and, and all living in the same city and having training every single day. And so everything is, it's your, yourself. And, you know, that's one of my biggest influence. I, I try to mentor a lot of young players and, and that's the main thing is it's, it's Simple as truly just doing, you know, the work. Everybody says they want to, to be great or they want to be pros and they want to do this, they want to do that. But it's the people who actually do the, everything you're, you need to do to be successful. Uh, it, it's very few, especially in our league. You know, a lot of people, uh, at best, they go to like a lifetime fitness and uh, that's their training regime is, you know, buys and tries and, um, you know, they call themselves a professional athletes. And that's not meant to slight anybody, but that's just... The nature of it because everybody's got to work a full-time nine-to-five job and you know finding time to get training sessions in and and film isn't easy but the people who do it you can really recognize their preparation every season when they come into training camp you know the guys who are using training camp to get in shape versus the guys who are there and ready to go on day one and uh you know just the the work you put in and the scouting you do on yourself like, to be honest i watched three games myself today already on a sunday um, you just have to you have to obsess over this. I think if you're going to do anything at this level, you need to be obsessive and it needs to be on your mind at all times, and then you'll actually get out of it what you what you're desiring. But uh, yeah, yeah, everybody has to do it. Everybody needs to do it. And you can tell the guys that do and don't. On top of everything you've achieved in the sport, you're also the co-founder and president of Impulse Lacrosse, where you develop and educate high school and youth lacrosse players. You've helped well over 50 student-athletes achieve college and university lacrosse careers through your guidance in the recruiting process and on-field coaching. Which is more gratifying for you, scoring a goal or, or getting a, a student that particular perfect match for them uh, of their dreams, really? Uh, two different things. In the moment, 
the uh, the scoring goal, goal thing just because <laughs> I have this absolute lunatic competitive nature. But uh, I tell everyone, I'm a firm believer when you retire from being a professional athlete, unless you are one of those rare gems, you know, a LeBron James, a Michael Jordan, Tiger Woods, uh, you're irrelevant the second you stop playing. Nobody cares about you anymore. The game will continue to move on regardless whether you're in it or not. And uh, next man's up. So for me, the way I wanted to leave my mark on this game and uh, really have something that's sustainable and that I can look back at and and stay relevant is uh, hopefully helping these young men with a potential future at something they they may not have had a chance to do without, you know, us setting up this program and and doing it. So that long-term gratification of of leaving your mark on the game is is truly through the other generations. And I think that's, you know, more important long-term. But while I'm still playing, I'll take uh, scoring as many goals as I possibly can. (laughs) Caleb, thanks so much for your time tonight. Um, thank you for giving me a new appreciation for the Goofy movie as well. Uh, <laughs> we look forward to seeing you this coming season. Hopefully, you know, by the time the season starts, we'll be able to sit in the stands, and the three of us are definitely going to come out there and, and take in a riptide game. So we really appreciate you coming on, and uh, good luck in this upcoming season. Thank you. I, I really appreciate it, and I hope you can do it again soon. Absolutely.